I'll just share something uh, short, very shortly. I have to always say that when it's Lydia, very shortly. No, I can't. <laughs> there you go. Why don't you use this one? Let me, yeah, you got it.
Amen. Thank you very much. Why don't we stand and read scripture together as I... So we're, on a seri- we're doing a series around healing. Um, and yeah, let's read. This is Luke 4, 14 to 19. Let's read together. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and the news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. It's fastened on him. He began by saying, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Oh, I guess that's it. Blessed be the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Lord, we ask that you come and speak to us. Let your truth reign. Let your favor come upon us. Spirit of God, do what only you can do. Um, Yeah, I just, I think for the next couple of weeks, as much as possible, we'll be sharing stories of of healing that that, that is happening in this room and giving thanks. I really believe gratitude brings multiplication, right? So we want to give God a lot of gratitude for the healing he's doing in this room as we ask him, Lord, multiply that. So Jesus has just come from the wilderness. He has spent 40 days and 40 nights in silence and solitude. Uh, he's been praying and fasting and, 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 you know, all the things we talked about, some of the things we talked about when we talked about a rule of life. And then he had a showdown with the devil uh, because, you know, we are at war. And... Um, and now he's finished that, he springs into ministry. He's gone into, uh, start, start to start his ministry. And he starts by teaching, preaching and teaching. And there's an obvious difference in how Jesus is preaching and teaching that is surprising people. People think, wait, this guy has so much authority. Now, just to give a bit of context... Uh, there are so many different religious uh, and political groupings in, um, uh, in Jesus, where Jesus was living at this time. Uh, there were, and, and they had different views on how to interpret scripture. They had different views on how to practice the, 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 the Torah. And, and Jesus would have mostly fit in with a group uh, called the Pharisees. Uh, they believed a lot of the same things. 
They, however, disagreed on a, on, on a couple key and very important issues. One was the identity of the Messiah. The Pharisees, just like Jesus, believed that the Messiah was going to be uh, a king who is a priest, who was going to be divine and who was going to be human, but they disagreed with Jesus that he, Jesus, was the Messiah. That was the uh, point of departure. The Pharisees... Um, uh, uh, they both agreed on, the, on, on, on some practices. Jesus, just like the Pharisees, kept the Sabbath. But Jesus was very okay with practicing healing and things like that out of compassion on the Sabbath. So they agreed on a lot of things. They disagreed on very, very important things. So Jesus would practice acts of compassion in healing, deliverance, mercy, feeding on the Sabbath. Um, uh, the, the Pharisees believed, this is another point of departure, Pharisees and Jesus, the Pharisees believed that the Messiah will not come until people keep the law perfectly. Jesus believed that, that they, the only way of salvation is following him. So those are some key points of departure. I want to, when you think about Jesus and the Pharisees, I want you to start thinking about uh, more like a family feud. The same way Joseph and his brothers had. When Joseph went and said, hey guys, God is going to lift me up. And the brother said, oh, you're crazy. This is the same thing. Jesus is going, hey people, I am the Messiah. And they're going, oh, okay. So it was a little bit like that. However, some things were the same. They taught openly. They made disciples. These things amongst the Pharisees and Jesus were so similar. I say, to you, I say this to you so that you can begin to get the context of what we just read. The reason people are amazed is ju just like the Pharisees, Jesus was teaching, but his was different. There was an authority about the way Jesus taught. When he would say, your sins are forgiven, people would walk away knowing they're forgiven. There was an authority with how Jesus thought. It's like he knew this stuff in his bones. It's like he lived this stuff. That's why they're going, wait, there's a new kid in town, but he's a bit different. He has authority in how he speaks. And so when, when, uh, when Jesus is given an opportunity to speak and he opens the scroll of Isaiah, it's kind of like that they were all asking, who is this? They were beginning to ask, who is this new kid in town? So Jesus deliberately opens Isaiah 61 to answer that question. So, um, you know, who is this? I am, and, and he goes, I am the one you've been waiting for. Who are you? I am the one you've been waiting for. So they, they, they even go, wait, 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 who do you think you are? If we continue to read, you'd, you'd hear them say, isn't this Joseph's son? It's like, who do you think you are to claim you're the one we've been waiting for? We know your father. We know your mother. We know your, your siblings. Who do you really think you are? That was the, the, the clash that was happening here. Now, now, that's not our focus, though. I know. I've just spent a whole time on the thing we're not really focusing on. But uh, my focus today is on how Jesus viewed his job as the Messiah. Jesus is saying, I am the Messiah, and this is what that looks like. The scripture he chooses answers the big question, 
who do you think you are? Well, that's, that's how they were asking it. But it's a question of who are you, Jesus? And he says, I am the one you've been waiting for. And guess what? This is my job description. You see, the name Jesus was prophesied uh, uh, to Mary. You know, he was told, hey, you'll have a son and you'll name him Jesus. And Jesus, Jesus translated to the one who saves. Jesus is the one who saves. However, what we often forget is that that same word, the one who saves, is also translated to as the one who delivers uh, and one who heals. It's not just Jesus, Jesus describing himself, this is not just about uh, people being forgiven of sin, this is about a holistic salvation. The description Jesus gives himself reads, I am here to proclaim good news to the poor. I am sent to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. I, I am here to uh, give uh, sight to the blind. I am here to uh, set the oppressed free. It's holistic salvation, the mission statement of Jesus. If you ask Jesus, why did you come to, uh, on earth? He has a very holistic view of why he came. You know, it's not only about being made right with God. It's not only about sins being forgiven because that is the year of the Lord's favor. He says, I'm here to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, forgiveness of sin. But also, it's justice for the least of these. It's justice for the weak and the downtrodden, the poor, the orphan, the imprisoned, those who are imprisoned falsely without a capacity to access legal uh, services, the immigrants. This is what it means to bring good news to the poor. That mattered to Jesus too. If you ask Jesus what, what it means to receive salvation, he, for him it also means uh, mercy for those who have done the things they're accused of. You see, sometimes we walk, our, we live our lives and, 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 and the enemy reminds us of, of things and we know we've done them and we feel we're guilty. You walk to the prisons, there are people who are there that are guilty of the things they've been accused of and so they're prisoners in there and some of us walk as prisoners of our past and what, what Jesus says is my salvation brings freedom to the prisoners. It's mercy, salvation includes mercy for those who are guilty of the things they've been accused of. And so it involves visiting those in prison and forgiving those who've, who've wronged us. If you ask Jesus what it means, who, the kind of Messiah he is, it also includes bringing freedom to the oppressed. Those who are under the oppression of, of the wickedness of human beings and those who are under the oppression of the works of Satan through demonic activity. And so we're called to stand up for the voiceless, using our positions of authority, our position, our voices, and our privilege, because privilege is a reality, and we stand up for those who cannot speak for themselves. And in his authority, we also cast out demons. For Jesus, this is what his job description is. If you ask Jesus what his job description is, it includes physical healing. He's bringing sight to the blind. 
representing restoration of physical health. It's not just about the soul. It's not just about, oh, I went to church and I felt better. It's about restoration of physical health. It's not just relationships being healed. You know, we were fallen, uh, I was estranged from my parents and now we, we, uh, uh, God has restored that relationship. That is part of it. It's not, and it's not the entirety of it. For Jesus, it included physical healing. And so, you know, after this, doing the stuff he just talked about. So Jesus just said, hey guys, this is who I am and this is what I'm about. And immediately right after that, he starts doing the stuff he's talked about. So if we followed the story in the book of Mark, and even in Luke, you will realize that immediately after this encounter Jesus has, he starts living up to what he just claimed. So here are a few verses I just want to read out loud. Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee. And on the Sabbath, he taught the people. So he's, he's, he's proclaiming good news. They were amazed at his teaching because of his words had authority. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried at the top of his voice, go away. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. And then the demon threw the man down before them, and, uh, before them all and came out without injuring him. What's Jesus doing? Setting the oppressed free. Just like he said he would do. Jesus left the synagogue and went into the home of Simon. Uh, one of his disciples. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent down over her and rebuked the fever and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. If you ever go to a house and there's no one to cook because they're sick, try praying for them, you know. Um, at sunset, the people brought uh, to Jesus all those who had various kinds of sickness and, la and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, you're the son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew uh, he was the Messiah. So Jesus just said, hey, I am the Messiah and this is what it looks like. And immediately after saying that, he starts living up to what he just said. But it wasn't just him. You see, what rabbis did was gather a, a bunch of disciples around them, teach them to interpret the Torah like they did and then live life like they did so, so that they could become like him like them. So Jesus also had a band of disciples and what he was doing, he was teaching them uh, his way and then sending them out to, to do the things he had done. Uh, and and, and he, he sent them out to do this holistic thing. Uh, last week, um, uh, no, sorry, two weeks ago when uh, the, the scripture we read together was the portion where Jesus is sending them out two by two. And what is he telling them? De uh, everywhere you go, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, and declare that the kingdom of God is at hand. What Jesus is saying is, you've watched me do it, now go and do it. And um, the story continues with them coming back, excited like little kids on their birthdays. They're like, oh my word, they're telling Jesus, 
Demons were scared of us and people are getting healed. They're excited, much like I always am when, you know, we pray for the sick and they get healed. We cast out a demon. It's exciting stuff. This is the Great Commission. And so they came back very excited. They're telling Jesus. And then, you know, it's almost, I can imagine them saying, Jesus, you should have seen us. You should have seen us. And then what Jesus says to them is, I know, I know. <laughs> you know, he says, I saw the enemy fall from the sky like lightning. So Jesus is going, hey, yes, I was there. I am the one who sent you. I saw the enemy fall down like lightning. But then he tells them to not be distracted by that. That's not the, real, that's not the main thing. Instead, be grateful that your names are that you're citizens of heaven. It's like for Jesus, that's just normal life. You don't get distracted by, by buses being on the, on the, on, on the highway because that's where they should be. But if you, if, you know, I remember one of my uh, cousins many years ago, he had not been to the city before and he was just like four, three or four years old. And, you know, he came, he came to Nakuru with us. He could not believe that these things called cars exist. And he screamed and would not let go of my dad. It's like, wait. But for you, it's normal life. So Jesus tells him, hey, don't be distracted by the healing and the casting out of demons. That's just everyday stuff. For Jesus, healing the sick is Tuesday morning in the office for believers. Not for pastors, not for uh, prophets and all those things, uh, titles people go by. It's Tuesday morning for believers. And our celebration should be, oh, I am a citizen of heaven. So the question that I want us to focus on today is, does God heal today? Does God heal in our, in our modern uh, 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 time. There are a couple of ways that people could look at this, and I want to start with the uh, resistance. Why would people, just a few, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot more. Why would people think, oh, of course God doesn't heal? And for some people, it's that one, at the time of Jesus, people are backward scientifically, and so they found a reasonable explanation for everything they did not understand and called it healing. If Simon's, Simon Peter's mother wakes up from a fever and we don't know how, it's like, oh my gosh, it must be healing. If this is the case, God did not heal back then, so why would we expect him to heal today? And the fallacy of this statement is, is that it assumes that because of science, our modern lives are way better than those of the ancients. Yet even today, there's a lot that happens that science does not explain. So science is not the end all, be all of life. And science still does not explain the disappearances of tumors in people weeks after it's been spotted in scans. And all that they can point to is, someone prayed for me. And the doctors go, well, I... I guess it's not there, you can go home. The other problem with this argument is that it assumes God and science don't mix. It assumes that scripture is anti-science, which it is not. Scripture is not anti-science. We believe 
that God created a stable, predictable world, and the work of science is to make us become aware of how that stable, predictable universe works. And so that, that is what explore, scientific exploration does. And so all that science is doing is making us aware, it's like, oh, Guess what? This is how God created things to work. And we have to be okay with, with places where we still don't know how to reconcile things. It's got to be okay. Life is full of those things. We also believe that God is supreme and therefore he reserves the right and often does intervene in his creation. He created it. It's like... Uh, for the parents here, you and, and you know maybe you have small kids and you tell them you go to bed at nine and uh, ah, nine is a bit too late. You go to bed at seven and you can only sleep on this bed. Da, 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 and you have all these rules so that their life is predictable and manageable. But you reserve the right to say, you know what? It's Christmas in July. You can stay up. They might still fall asleep on the couch as they watch a movie, but don't you reserve that right? So why do we expect, hey, if God created it stable, he cannot intervene. He does, he often, uh, he, he can and he often does. It also assumes that during those times there were no doctors with medical knowledge. One of the people who writes the story of Jesus is a medical doctor called Luke and he investigated these things. He had Sufficient medical knowledge of his time to be able to go, oh wow, this defies medicine. And we have to be honest that even today's medical advances stand on the shoulders of, of back then. So why do we pretend that doctors such as Luke have nothing to tell us today? So I think when people say, oh, it's just a lack of science, it's not an intellectually honest uh, position. They're just not open. The other thing is that uh, someone might say, maybe they just experience a placebo effect. What a placebo effect is that sometimes something happens because of your faith or the environment you're in and your body produces uh, 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 hormones that make you feel so good, you think you've just gotten healed. Sometimes you're, you know, when you come to church or someone prays for you and worship is going and people are in tears and you feel, oh, maybe God is moving. You could feel so good that you think my, my headache is gone. Now that does happen. It is true. That does happen even here. But placebo effects last as long as that situation is going on. And they can't repair much. A placebo effect cannot explain the disappearance of my mom's hernia many, many weeks ago. She had a tear in, the, in, the, in her abdomen and she was at a crusade. And you, you guys have no idea who's... It, it's a person... Anyway, God just heals because this guy is a joke. And so I won't mention his name. But mom was there and this guy prayed for the sick and her hernia disappeared. If it was a placebo effect, she'd have gotten back home and realized, oh, the pain is still there and my, my, I still need to go to the doctor. A placebo effect might not stu, uh, stitch back a, a torn abdomen. 
as I prepared for this the last two weeks, I was just telling Sean and Meredith this morning, all my algorithm on YouTube, uh, all that they would show me is feature after feature of fake healings in our country and across the globe. It's like, of course, Google knows we're teaching about healing, so why don't we show you how fake stuff are happening around? People have been taken advantage of. People have taken advantage of people's faith. People have hired others to give fake testimony. Some have made deals with medical staff so that, hey, by the way, we're praying for people with this disease, we'll send them to you and make sure their tests say they're negative. We all know that kind of stuff. And, and people, others have kept others from medical care and it's led to death. That's, that's very real. And, and so it is easy, on, uh, you know, because of such an onslaught, which I honestly considered, <laughs> to shy away from healing. It's like, oh, okay, let's just not, you know, let God do what he's doing, but, but let's not muddy the waters. It is easy to shy away because of this bad news and lean on, on the advances of science and say, okay, let the church deal with the soul and let medicine deal with people's health. The problem is that that would be incomplete. The salvation you have been invited to is holistic. It's about your mind, your body, and your soul. It is holistic. And so, it doesn't matter how many fake things, it matters, saying fake things going on around is not reason enough to not trust God for healing. Like I said two weeks ago, one of the ways to know the real stuff is to be around the real stuff. So going back to our original question, does healing happen today? Does God heal today? Yes. One of the ways is through medical intervention. See, the church is not anti-science. We believe that God gives knowledge of the working of the universe, the working of our bodies, and one of the ways he invites us to partner with him is through medicine. So if you're called to be a doctor, lean in. You're partnering with God to make this, to, to heal the sick. Did Jesus care about this? Yes, a couple of times he healed people with leprosy. He would send them to the priest to be checked up. Now, the priests at this time, especially for skin diseases that were bunched up in, in this group called leprosy for them, you, the, the priests played uh, 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 some sort of medical role because they had to give a diagnosis. They had to say, okay, you, know, you still have leprosy, so you cannot come. And so Jesus was like, hey, there's a system. There's a medical system. Go work with it. And some of them got healed on their way there. It's the equivalent of someone in this church uh, praying for someone with cancer and going, hey, why don't you go checked out, get checked up again? The church is not anti-science. We believe that that is part of what God does. And we work alongside science. We work alongside medicine. And we trust that God brings healing through that. And it is not the place, it is not the place of uh, um, a pastor or any follower of Jesus to tell a patient when to stop their medication. It is not the place 
of someone to go, oh, yeah, I think, I think you got healed, so don't worry. Now, why did Jesus do this with, with every other person he healed? Because some of them didn't require the same kind of medical uh, uh, procedure. You see, he, he, he gave sight to the blind. It's very simple. I couldn't see, I can see. You don't need a, a doctor to tell you, I think you can see, right? For some, you know, he made lame people walk. Made lame people like me become excited. Anyway, he made lame people walk. You know, it's as easy as, oh, I came here in, 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 a, cup, uh, in a bed and now I'm carrying my bed home. So it is not the place of, of pastors, uh, believers to tell people, uh, don't take your medication. That's, that's the place of, of medical practitioners. So I'm not saying we don't pray for the sick. We do. And we see God heal them instantly or, 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 or see them, God heal them through, uh, through uh, medical intervention. I have a friend um, who learned that uh, she's, she's got an incurable cancer. And she's going to battle with that. Uh, so she started medication. That's going to be hard for her family. And when we were together, we spent a whole half an hour just praying for her. Why? Because we believe God heals cancer too. And we still are hopeful. Uh, the report is that the medicine is working. Uh, she's responding to the medicine, but the medicine will not cure the cancer. So what are we doing? We're saying, Lord, we still wait. But we all know that there are things out there that are incurable by medicine, as it is today. My dad had a stroke, his, his survival a couple years back, his survival was just, you know, miraculous. Because uh, um, it took a while before he could get to hospital. And he's, you know, he's been up and down, there are moments where everything has disappeared. <laughs> And there are moments where his body has gotten weak again. To this day, I, I, he has to manage uh, uh, the, the, the conditions that brought the stroke and, um, and the condition he's in now and medication, watching his food, all that stuff. And the doctors did their best. See, the truth is, science has its, medicine has its shortfalls. So what do we do then? What do we do then? 25% of the ministry of Jesus was healing and deliverance. And 25 is a huge chunk. So the question for me is, why did God heal back then? Why did God heal back then? And this is obviously a big question. I'm not going to pretend to be able to answer it fully. Yet there are two reasons I want to give you today that are obvious in the stories of Jesus. Jesus healed for two main reasons, compassion and a demonstration of the kingdom of God. So many times, especially in the book of Mark, when Jesus would heal, he would say, Jesus was moved by compassion and he did this. Jesus was moved by compassion. So if you ask the writers of the gospel, why did Jesus heal? He, they tell you because he had compassion. Now, Compassion is not just a mushy feeling of sympathy. It's not, 
It's not Jesus had sympathy. Compassion is this is a word that refers to a very complex emotion. Uh, uh, um, that the only the closest thing we could relate to. It's the kind of love that makes you so aware of what your children are going through, but not just an awareness, it moves you to action. See, sympathy, sometimes it's like, oh, boy, share, oh. Compassion. That must feel so bad. Compassion eats you. In fact, other translations where they have compassion, they say Jesus was indignant or Jesus was angry. It's this complex emotion. People's stuff moves you so much. You're just going, I've got to do something. So every time Jesus saw a sick person, every time Jesus saw a demonized person, he was angry. He was so in love with his people that he just felt, I've got to do something about this. This is why Jesus healed. I once had an elective surgery, and I didn't tell my family. I once had an elective surgery, and I didn't tell my family. You know. Like, hmm, and my mom called surgery? from her home. Like, yeah, how did I was you like, know? Hmm, like, did you have surgery? Like, yeah, how did you know? It's like, and um, I'm not faulting those mothers who don't feel their kids. Like, no, I'm just it, kidding. This was um, my mom just like having it, so this much was compassion towards my mom me. just having okay. so much compassion towards me. She knew didn't I wasn't move okay. her to action. She didn't send me any money, but you know, didn't there, move there her to action. She didn't send me any money, but you know, there was something at least. Compassion is this deep, deep feeling, deep, deep feeling and, and, for and, someone and you Jesus love that moves you to action. And, 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 and so Jesus healed because he felt people's pain so deeply, it moved him to action. And if Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, even to this day, Jesus feels people's pain so deeply, and he moves into action. Jesus feels your pain so deeply it the moves question into action. for me isn't whether Jesus still has compassion. The question the for question me is isn't whether church, Jesus still has compassion. The, the question is whether the church, which is the hands and feet of Jesus, will move to action. It's whether you and I will move to action. It's whether when we see the sick, we will be filled with compassion and be moved then to the action. Other reason was a demonstration of the kingdom of God's power. Then the other reason was when a demonstration a of the kingdom place, of God's power. Everybody knows. When a king is in a place, everybody knows. When any of our king four presidents have come into this When town, any of our four presidents have come into this town, traffic stop. it's just annoying. No, there are cops traffic everywhere. There are cops everywhere. And sometimes, especially during campaign season, because they decide to campaign. And sometimes, Sunday, so especially during campaign season, because they decide to campaign on Sunday, so that they can get into churches and say some things. Some people have gotten late because you can't do the highway. When the 44th president of the U.S. was in this country. When the 44th president of the U.S. was in this country, his choppers were landing in, in and, the campus of the university I was we in. The power, the mind of the US we felt the power, the might of the U.S. government. We felt the power, the might of the U.S. government. The most powerful person was in the country. So roads were locked, phones were jammed. What do we have to do with this guy? And you know, as the beast driving around would feel the earth tremble beneath us, what are we feeling? The power. 
One of the wealthiest people in recent uh, in ancient history. One of the history, wealthiest uh, people in recent uh, history. In ancient history. Is a guy from Mali, a king from Mali called Mansa Musa. So wealthy that it is said every city he went to experienced inflation. He walked with so much gold. That the city was just, oh my goodness, why is he visiting what us? What is happening? A king is in town, you experience the what power of the king. What is happening? A king is in and town, so you experience the, the power of the king. And so, so Jesus kept saying, the kingdom of God has come. So what does that mean? People will experience the power of the king. And that meant that sometimes people will get king is in, is, uh, is Why? Present. Because the king is, in, the is, king uh, is, is present. And the king heals. What it looks like is that sometimes. What it you know, looks like is Sunday that sometimes. You know, we gather here Sunday after Sunday and we host the presence of God. And and sometimes we become very aware. It's, it's this thing. Because the kingdom of God has come, but not we're not experiencing it in full. We're living in an in-between time. And so, sometimes we're aware, sometimes we're not. Sometimes things happen, sometimes they don't. It's this tension of the kingdom. Sometimes when we gather, it's sort of like, oh, we great. And, we know and it's okay. Sometimes we gather and we, and we know that we've entered a thin, thin place. And we can tell that the presence of God is in this room. And then in some of those times, not always, but some of those times... And then in some of those times, not always, but some of those times, someone will come up and say, hey, I think there's someone in the room with this, this, and that. That's what we call a word of God. What essentially that person is saying, God is in the room, and I think he has come with power to heal this, this, and that. And so sometimes people respond. You know, story I've given before... You know, Joy was on worship, a, a uh, worship team. She gives a word a of knowledge that there's a, a, a lady in the room with a problem with her food. I often prefer that the person who gives the word of knowledge is the one who prays. So I'm on but she was leading up to me. So I'm on prayer team, and this lady walks up to me, and you know, we're alive. And she Patrick, takes my hand and put it on her stomach. I'm like, oh, please, Patrick, push the screen up, you know? Later that week, and I, we I saw her on the street. And, and later that week, I, went, I saw her on the street. And she ran towards me and went, okay. so I'll stop bleeding. So of course it's an awkward situation, but in my head I'm going, yes. Another one, right? Another one, right? Yeah, I still get very excited. What was happening is that the kingdom of God was present. The king what was, was happening is that the kingdom of God was present. The king was God present and he had come with power to heal the he sick. Heals. God has He's not the changed. Same yesterday, today, he and heals. The, and forever. And He's the he same yesterday, today, and, and, the, and forever. And he has and compassion and he comes in power. And when he comes in power, it's even power to heal. So does God heal today? My answer is so yes. So does God heal and today? My answer is yes, and I'm inviting us to dare believe that the truth is it's yes. Let's sit in threes. Okay. Let's sit in threes. And talk to each other for a moment. And like I've always said, let's just put the community questions up on the screen. Like I've always said, don't do the don't do the.
the churchy thing well, to do. Don't answer these questions no. as, this well, I guess I'm in church. I've got no. This is an invitation for you to participate in the conversations, for you to experience community, but also just do you think healing is for today? So one of the questions is, do you think healing is for today? Have you ever received healing? Do you have you ever received healing? It could be of anything. And be careful, don't tell too Emotional, long a story that no one else in your group And be careful, speak, don't yeah. tell too long a story that no one else three, in your group gets to speak. Yeah. Risk, and then three, if you, you dead risk, what would you ask God for healing for?